1: You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you every day from 3 to 5. Right here, let me ask you a question. Do you feel pressure when you're asked a question in public about something that you might think is controversial? Maybe like generally controversial in our culture or maybe it's just controversial among the people in the room. Do you feel like, do you feel pressure to say things that you don't really mean? Do you feel pressure to nuance your response where what actually you end up communicating is not what you actually think? Well, a new survey says that people do this all the time. It's called self-censoring, and it causes a lot of problems because people don't often know what people actually think. You ever do a public survey? Some of you get polled like by really actual polling companies. Some people are calling you to do polls because they want to get your your opinions about something and then they want your email address and then suddenly you're going to get all kinds of emails about that situation. But some are really doing research. And one of the hardest things with research on controversial issues is that people have a hard time answering honestly. And even if they think the responses are private, you you wonder. I've done this before. I've taken these uh, these surveys i used to, several years ago i was i was making money by taking surveys there's something on the side it was my it was one of many side hustles years ago by the way you can join our conversation 888-528-2557 would love to know what you think about this i'll get to the survey and a couple of their findings here in a minute i think you'll find it interesting 888-528-2557 i was taking surveys and they pay you for these surveys some of them they're legitimate through universities and whatever And, you know, a lot of them were pretty serious, and I would say things like, I would think to myself, well, I wonder if they can track me. They obviously know who I am, and uh, they obviously have, you know, there's a way that they can figure out who I am. And even so, that probably tempered my response a little bit uh, on different things, maybe not in a way that I'm conscious of, because I think I was trying to answer as honestly as possible, but did I really believe it was private? I wasn't sure. You know, this matters a lot because, you know, for believers, we have a lot of freedom when we just say what we mean. We have a lot of freedom when we do that kindly, when we do it in a way that's respectful, but where we can actually engage. And we really need to know where where people are. It matters because the best predictor of private behavior is private opinion, That, that people's actual views are going to determine what they actually do, rather than what they say they're going to do. And incidentally, it, it matters a lot. It matters as far as how people vote. You know, this is one of the reasons why sometimes voting is really off, or polling is really off sometimes on voting. You, if you're afraid, if you're voting for a political candidate who you think might be controversial, or you think that the person who's asking the question, maybe they're looking for a particular answer, well, you might answer differently. Uh, and you might say you're voting for Biden when you really voted for Trump, or you might say you're voting for Trump when you're really voting for Biden, right? There's something that, you in the voting booth, in the privacy of that, lots of opinions come out. And for, I think for us as believers, something that is important is that people really understand where we're coming from and why, uh, without getting into arguments, but with able to have the right conversation. See, it creates a false polarization on many issues. One of the reasons this is a big deal is because as a divided nation, as a country where people are distrusting their institutions and in the church where where people who aren't in the church distrust the church, some of us in the church, you know, we distrust the church sometimes. Often the, the basis for that mistrust is a perception of what people think that isn't really correct. Do you realize that? is the number if you want to join our our program and give me your opinion on this matter. SoCalLive at KKLA.com is the email address if you want to send an email. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. One of the things, and I'll go through this in a second here, but I think it's really important for us to view things through a biblical lens, to do even controversial subjects. So this year we're kind of, with the election the way it is with Things that have come to the surface that are often uncomfortable to talk about. Abortion, the gender issues, sexual issues, kids, whatever the issue is. If people aren't really able to speak their mind, then it's really hard to actually get anywhere. And what if we're not as divided as we think? See, that's what I actually, I think that if we could really have a good conversation with nuance where people were comfortable to express their view, listen to each other, but also dispense with generalizations that don't really work, it would bring a lot to the conversation, some really good nuance. See, I I reject the view that group experiences should be considered more heavily than individual experiences, which is a prevailing view now in the, the philosophy of our age. And that's the view behind a lot of critical theory and a lot of different things, where the idea is, you know, if somebody's telling you that you have to feel oppressed, uh, even if you don't feel oppressed, but you feel like you need to answer that, um, and the, or if you say, well, I don't feel oppressed, and they say, well, you need to feel oppressed because the group that you're a part of is oppressed or marginalized, and you say, well, I know that some people are, but I have done this, or this is my experience. That's being squelched. And I think what goes down with it is the opportunity to have conversation to really get to the real issues of things where there might be um, some marginalization of people, where there is oppression, those kinds of things. So this survey I just found really interesting, and maybe you'll find it pretty interesting too. This is by Populist Insights, Private Opinion in America. Uh, they have this interesting quote from Napoleon Bonaparte, and it says, 10 people who speak make more noise than 10,000 who are silent. I think that's true on a lot of things. You know, do you think so? I think that uh, – you know, I don't think we always know what the silent majority is. I think we always think that our view is the silent majority, right? Uh, Nixon, I think, coined that term. Uh, and he might have been right at the time because he won in a landslide election, ultimately. Um, but we tend to think that our own point of view is the, um, is the right one and the one that everyone else has. And I think part of that is because we have a hard time having conversation, from a Christian standpoint, we need to have conversation with people. All right, so here's some of the the key findings, okay? One of them, the key finding in all of them is that everyone is feeling social pressure, the pressure to actually misrepresent your views, depending upon who's asking the question, depending upon the group of people you're around, or whatever you think might be the political pressure of the day, and it gets out of sync with true beliefs. This is pervasive in our society today. Uh, and what the study found is that it's true across all demographics, every subgroup. They, they broke down these questions into subgroups of, of race, of age, of education, of income. You know, what are the – how would people's opinion be affected by those different things? And a more, majority of people say publicly, for example, when, the, when we come to the uh, COVID things, they, a majority of people say publicly – that they believe that mask wearing was effective during the COVID. But privately, they don't believe it. They really should wear the mask. I don't think that's what people actually think. I think that is one of the uh, challenges here is that publicly, I think it depends on where you are, right? It depends probably if you're red state or blue state or, you know, those kinds of things. But there seems to be a, a sense that you can't say what you really think. That doesn't make you right either way, right? But it if it's preventing you from saying it here, it's a big difference. 59% of Americans publicly agreed that wearing a mask was an effective way to stop the spread of COVID-19, but only 47% privately hold that view. That's a 12 point gap. And I'll bet that private view is less. That's my opinion, because I think even some people probably distrust this survey with their answer. When it comes to uh, abortion, what would you say? men are not as supportive as their public opinions would suggest. I think that's right, speaking as a man. In public, a majority of men, 60%, agreed that the decision to have an abortion should be left to a woman and her doctor. However, in private, that number is only 45%. Huge difference. Um, And I think that guys, you know, for whatever reason, men feel publicly, well, I need to say it should be between a woman and her doctor. But deep down, you don't feel that way. Uh, most men, 52% publicly said that abortion should be legal in most cases, uh, but in private, it was 48%. Why is that different? Uh, Is it just the social pressure? See, and that makes a difference, right? Um, 888-528-2557 is the number. You're listening to Southern California Live. 888-528-2557. Jennifer in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live.
1: Um, You know what? I love this topic because I definitely fall in the category of really not telling the truth at all about, uh, especially when it comes to who I voted for. Mm. But I wanted to, to let you know that I went to a focus group and it was right before uh, Trump was uh, elected president. And that was the whole premise of the focus group was if you were truthful about liking Trump, uh, the reasons why you liked them, why you weren't going to go out there and, um, you know, kind of vocalize it. And the one thing that I found interesting, people were terrified to be honest because they were scared about either, so to speak, um, getting called out, also losing job, losing friends, losing family. And uh, people gave the reasons why. And it, there was different nationalities different genders different you know people who identify differently in terms of you know gay straight and i thought it was fascinating and i felt like i wasn't the only one alone so um i definitely agree with the findings because i sure i do a lot of the focus groups and most of the time when especially when it comes to political party out here i'm terrified of you know somebody you know finding out
0: what i really think yeah see and that's i think what they're what they're saying here is that people and people on both sides of different things are like you say terrified of people finding out what you really think um and that's not good for society that's why i think that's one of the reasons it's hard for us to find solutions right because there's a lot of nuance to why you know people might vote one way or the other and people exactly. have, you know, especially right now. Right. Thank you, Jennifer, for your call. I appreciate that. Inside 888-528-2557 is the phone number if you'd like to share your opinion or join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Are you afraid to say what you really believe? I made the comment uh, earlier uh, last week when in it was a week, a week or two ago in the state of Kansas, the uh, abortion amendment to their state constitution failed. And in a deep red state, people were asking, well, why did that not pass? And, you know, some people are saying that the questions were confusing as to what was yes and what was no. And that happens a lot with ballot measures. Okay, you really have to study them. And and lawyers, when they get tricky, when they write them, when it's political, they'll they'll trick you into thinking that yes means no and no means yes. But regardless of that, the statement I made that is in the back of my mind is that, well, maybe in public. Red state people say they're against abortion, but maybe in the privacy of the ballot box, they're not. Here's what this survey said: Roe versus the. Do you agree or disagree with the statement Roe versus Wade should be overturned? Now, there's a lot of nuance to that, okay? Because a lot of people don't understand. Maybe they're beginning to understand now, but they didn't understand that Roe versus Wade being overturned that in itself does not outlaw abortion. You know, in half the states, it doesn't change it at all. Um, In some states, there will be some restrictions, but it'll be different levels. Um, In this survey, um, 31% publicly uh, agreed it should be overturned, but 29% privately. So that's about the same. Male and female didn't really change very much in that. But look at this. Uh, Do you agree with the statement Roe versus Wade should be overturned? Uh, This was conducted before uh, that actually came out. Okay, For a if it's broken down, Democrat, Republican, and Independent—that's how they broke it down. Democrat, seven uh, percent; only seven percent publicly would say they think it should be overturned, but nine percent actually in private said so. A little bit more. So, if you're a Democrat, there's a few more of you who think. Now, you're not really for abortion. Uh, I think that number is a little higher among Democrats. Independent, it was twenty-four percent said you 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 think it should be overturned. That you agreed with that, but in private, 29%. But here's the interesting number, I think, in this. For Republicans, what would you say? For Republicans, do you think Roe versus Wade should be overturned? 64% publicly said yes, it should be overturned. Privately, 51%. 13 point difference in the survey of what people said Republicans said privately on that. And that kind of goes to my my suggestion in Kansas, if everybody is surprised by that, maybe they shouldn't be. You know, Maybe we ought to on that. Those of us, like myself, who believe that abortion is the taking of a human life, that the child has value, that we shouldn't do that. There's a whole lot of uh, reasons um, and different nuance that people have with all of that. But 64% of Republicans publicly said yes, but only 51% privately said yes. That's probably what happened. And it goes back to issues like a lot of these are about a person's heart, about where we really are. And if you want to be persuasive in these areas, then you've got to know where people actually are. And we can't just assume what people say, especially with politically charged issues, is true. And I also think that means that we shouldn't just say that we can write certain groups of people off because they're one way or the other on the political scale in a survey. We don't really know necessarily what they think privately. Private opinion matters a lot. And in our relationships with each other, if we're making disciples, if we are spending time trying to get to know people, then we've got to listen to people's hearts. See, that's why disciple-making, by the way, it happens in one-on-one relationships. It happens with people that you actually know, and they actually know you, because you have different conversations about this stuff. It's really easy to smart off about one issue or another if you're around everybody who agrees with you, but it's different if you are in the room with somebody who does not agree, or it's different when you find out that somebody, if you are one side or the other, somebody is personally experiencing that. And this is something we have to listen to. I think as the church, if we want to make an impact in this world, we have to have an accurate point of view of where people are, and we have to accurately say where we are. All right? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll take your calls if you've got an opinion on this. Uh, Some other interesting ones. I kind of like this one. An overwhelming majority of Americans do not want CEOs taking public stances on controversial issues. (laughs) Only 14% of Americans privately. Here's the interesting thing. 28%, still bad. 28% said, no, I do want to hear what CEOs of companies have to say on controversial issues. Privately, only 14% of people want to hear that. I'm surprised it's even 14. Do you really care what the CEO thinks of some uh, company that you're going at? You know, I just want to go somewhere and have good coffee. What I want is the CEO of Starbucks to make really good coffee. I want that company, if I'm going to go there or go to whatever other coffee company or go to a fast food joint or wherever I'm going, I want that company to do really well at what they're there to do. I could care less. And I don't want it to be ruined by that person's opinion. It's just, and I think Americans agree with that. That's what I think. I think, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm not going to begrudge you for your opinion, but it's, you know, it's just a, I think people are sick of that. I think they're sick of that with athletes too. That's not part of the survey. Uh, athletes and movie stars, you know, do we care? You know, can't we just go to a movie or a baseball game and not have to deal with politics? Isn't that what it's for? You know, to get away, a pastime. I think that's what it should be. Um, other interesting things from this, um, the for people between the ages of 30 and 44, there was a lot of questions about parenting on this a lot of questions about kids. And what I found really interesting is that between the ages of 30 and 44, that's when you have the biggest public statement versus private statement gaps. And I think that's because if you're between 30 and 44, it's more likely that you actually have kids in the school right now, right? So if you're much older, you might have some connection with what's going on with your grandkids, but maybe you aren't really tracking with what's in the school. And if you're younger, you, you, you just might have a political opinion, but you haven't really experienced school school from the standpoint of being a parent. You know, when, when you're a parent, if you're not a parent yet, you know, hear me on this. If you're not a parent yet, once you are suddenly a parent, suddenly you are terrified by certain things about your kids, and you start to get a lot more conservative about a lot of things. A lot of things that you didn't used to be conservative about. You start to worry, and you should, because you probably have, you know, publicly you might say, oh, I really enjoyed being a teenage dirtbag, as the song says. Um, But privately, I really wish I wasn't, and I really don't want my kids to do that. This is a this is a topic that you have to have with somebody if you are a single person and you want to have kids. You you have to have this conversation with the person that you're really going to to marry and it has to be for real. You can't have opinions about raising kids. Do we do we take our kids to church or not? And what church do they go to? Do we want the schools to raise our kids and teach the morals or do we want to teach the morals? And what morals are we going to teach. See, those conversations, when you get married and you don't have kids, maybe it doesn't matter that much. But once kids are in the picture, uh, that matters a lot. And many of you know that that is a place of tremendous strain when you're not truly on the same page. So you can say one thing, but uh, if it's not really what you mean, then it's going to come out at some point. At some point, it's going to come out when you have... uh, kids especially the us should do you agree or disagree with this question the us should phase out the use of oil coal and natural gas completely um most people actually are not agreeing with that publicly 33% privately 31% so most people don't really change their mind uh, big difference in areas of race on this one which i think probably is more about politics um in this study uh publicly if you are asian you 39% said we should phase out coal and natural gas completely but only 13% said that privately why i don't i don't really get that why is that different hispanic 37% publicly say yeah we should get rid of oil coal and natural gas only 12% say that privately why is that a difference if you're black it's the other way 34% said publicly that we should phase it out but 47% uh privately say we should phase it out. Uh it's a very interesting thing. Republicans were only 10% both ways, independents about the same. Democrats on this one, 56% uh publicly said that you think we should phase out oil, coal, and natural gas completely, but 49% privately. That's a you know, I think a significant difference there. Um public schools waited too long. We'll get to one more of this later. i got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Really what I want to get to with this is are you afraid to share your faith? Do you self-silence when it comes to sharing things that you think— spiritually might be controversial, but you know you have an opportunity to share them, and maybe we can help each other out with that. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. 528 2557 This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned.
1: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on
0: 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. We're on from three to five every day. I'm Scott Furrow, Every weekday, great to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557 if you'd like to join the conversation. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at com. We're talking about self-silencing, and a recent survey pointed out that Americans are often not actually telling the truth in surveys about what they really believe. I find it interesting because I think we do that as Christians sometimes. Maybe it's often and maybe, and you know, and I'll tell you what, when I look at this survey and, and kind of where people are, I think people don't know what to believe about a lot of stuff. I think we have been frightened politically based upon whatever political group we hang out with to not question anything or not ask our questions. That might be the better way. And we don't have safety in talking about the nuance of different issues. And that's one of the things that's missing in the survey and the data is that, you know, I think people, I think there's so much nuance uh, to different things. What about uh, the issue, uh, transgender issues? Okay, that's a big issue out there. What do people feel about this? Do, Do people agree with this statement, whether someone is a man or a woman determined by this, whether someone is a man or a woman is determined by the sex that they were assigned at birth, agree or disagree? So here's something I think that is curious about this subject. 59% of people publicly say, yes, a man or a woman is determined by the sex they were assigned at birth. All right, so 59% of people say, yep, if you're a boy, you're a boy. If you're a girl, you're a girl. Uh, They got it right at birth. But privately, when you ask the same question, that number goes down to 53%. And in fact, in each age range, 18 to 29, 30 to 44, 45 to 54, 55 to 64, and 65 plus, even you old folks out there, what you said publicly was a lot more in favor of that statement than what you said privately. The private statements go down in every case. In every case, it's still a majority, even in the private, except for 18 to 29. In 18 to 29, that age range, when asked the question whether someone is a man or a woman is determined by the sex they were assigned at birth, forty-four percent said that's true in public, but private, thirty-eight percent, a little more than a third. Isn't that an interesting statistic? I think, I think it is. Political idea I thought was really interesting here, that uh, Democrats, thirty-one percent, agreed with that, but fewer Democrats agreed with that in private which would, it was 31 to 23, so eight points different. And see, a lot of what's behind the survey is that people are feeling pressure to say something different. Independence went from 61 to 45 Uh, the other way. I think that what you find are that Uh, In fact, Republicans went the other way. 90% public said that that's true. 93% said privately. So some percentage of Republicans are even afraid to say, and they go the other way in private. Uh, Do we do this with our faith? I'd love to see this kind of survey when it comes to certain questions of our faith. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation, meaning that the only way to get to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ? that Jesus Christ is the savior. There's a nuance, right? There's a difference between saying that Jesus is the only way and saying that he is the best way, but there might be some others. I think that there's a lot, you know, the surveys have said in churches, there's very few people actually who believe that. And I think it gets confusing in a lot of ways. I think people are confused. And I think that they're part of the confusion is that we are not able to have these conversations and we need to as believers. And we need to do things in a kind way. I think that's part of it, is that people get mad. I think there's a few different things. I think people get mad just talking about it when people disagree, and our goal becomes just to convince people that we're right. Or our goal is that if somebody disagrees with me, then they're just a hater, and they're a bad person. And we don't allow for any nuance. We don't allow for conversation and relationship. You know, believers we have to get past that. And I think that that is something core to discipleship. I talk about that a lot because that's what Jesus wanted us to do. And I think if we got down to it, we're not doing a lot of that, at least in a way that is identifiable. I was reading a book one time that basically said, in fact, I didn't read the whole book. I rarely do that. I like to read the whole book. Studies say most people only read about a third of whatever book they're getting into and they toss it away if they're reading at all. And you know what, I I agree, sometimes I'm in a book and a third of the way through, the author's really made his point or her point about something and the rest of it is just fluff because you know maybe you only had 60 pages of actual opinion that you wanted to write about, but the publisher wants 250 pages so you just had to make a bunch of stuff up. I've read a lot of books that way. But I still go read it because sometimes you get a great nugget in there or you, or what happens in the rest of that book because maybe that's what the author's doing, maybe that's not what they're doing. But the main points are in the beginning, and then you get the nuance, or you get some in very incredible thing later in the book. You don't want to miss it. Um, I think that one of the things that we, we tend to do is we miss having that conversation in, in nuance. I think in discipleship is where you get to that. It's relational with people. I think this is why this is how the church grows. And it is how the church grows, by the way. So this book I was reading, I did put it down because it it defined discipleship as you are making disciples if you get up in the morning on Sunday and you go to church with your family and you sit down and you listen to the sermon and you have the the songs and your kid goes to Sunday school and you're active in the church life. And in this book, it it said you are practicing discipleship if you go to church, if you go to the Bible studies, if you're in a small group, and if you show up to the church meeting where really you find out if people love Jesus or not. And if you're doing that, then it's discipleship. I actually had to put the book down. And I thought to myself, that's not discipleship. That's like the minimum of what anybody ought to do if they are a Christian. They ought to go to church. You ought to be involved. Go to the things, some of them. I don't know if you have to go to all of them. I mean, does, does your church just wear you out? Sometimes that happens in church, don't we? We we want you to show up to everything. This is what we do. This is what we this is one of the reasons we don't have a lot of really good men's ministries. I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, other than the fact that there's a lot of uh flowers and purple everywhere. One of the reasons that we uh well, I'm sorry, that's just that's just kind of uh the way it is. One of the other reasons, though, is that we say to really everybody, but kind of the guys, you need to get to church every week. You need to go to the uh, Bible study or whatever the Wednesday night thing is. You need to be in a small group. You need to uh, drop your kids off at youth group. You need to pick them up from youth group. You need to go to the special events that church does. And then you need to show up to men's group. Where, and you end up spending hours, if you do it all, you spend hours and hours at church doing church stuff. And you're already exhausted. And for the ladies, this is true also. In a lot of ways. I think ladies have a way of maybe um, getting a little more energy to go up and do some of this stuff, but, and guys think about things differently. And then we go to a men's group where what we do is we yell at all the guys to spend more time with their family. And how are they going to do that when they're at church all the time with all the different things? See, See, it's discipleship happens when we're spending that time with our family. Part of discipleship is with our kids, and with our spouse and the people that we do life with it matters a lot if i were to ask this question and here's here's the kicker okay and this is why it's relational that's why this this matters the the idea that we can't really share what we think that we're living in a society that's causing us to not be able to to say what we actually believe I think that the spiritual side of it is this. It's preventing us from making disciples, really, because it's preventing us from having relationships with people who disagree with us on something. The first caller we had earlier, she pointed out that she was afraid to talk about who she voted for because she might lose friends. And you know what? People in churches it ended friendships over the last election ended friendships on whether you voted for Trump or Biden, on whether or not you believe the election was stolen, on whether or not you believe this or that. Uh, friendships, even in churches, ended over that. Churches divided up over COVID restrictions. We're going to stay open. We're going to stay closed. We're going to be masked. We're not going to be masked. We're going to be for the vaccine. We're going to be against the vaccine. There were so many different ways, and spiritually, This is the piece that we have to get in there. If we can't have relationships with each other, and if we don't have the freedom to let our yes be yes and our no be no, if we don't have the freedom to just have conversation with each other, how are we going to actually make disciples? Because disciple-making is not just simply the routines of religion and showing up to stuff at church. It's your relationship with the people who are around you. It's being able to pray for the people around you that they would increase their faith— whether they have no faith or whether they are growing in their faith, that you would have time to invest in those people, that you're intentional. Everybody listening to this, not everybody, but most of you, most people listening to this who are Christians, you are a Christian today because somebody you know personally, somebody that you were doing life with, told you about Jesus. Almost everybody. Raise your hand if you are a Christian and you are a Christian because you heard about Jesus from a parent, from a grandparent, from a sibling, from a friend, from a coworker, from a classmate. Raise your hand right now. If you're driving, keep one hand on the wheel and put the other hand up. All right, now look around real quick and you'll see who else is listening to our show because they got their hand up. I'll bet 90 to 95% of Christians, you became a Christian that way. And that's true over 2000 years. That's how people become Christians. So discipleship is happening. It's happening all the time but it's relational. It's inherently relational. And it has to be honest. And we have to be able to be honest with each other, even when we disagree on all these issues. That's what is spiritually happening. That's one of the things that's spiritually happening in our, in our country, is that we are dividing up and dividing up relationally and putting ourselves into groups of people with whom we agree with everything already. And then we don't grow because we're never challenged. And we're not persuasive because there's nobody around to persuade. we got to fix that. And we can because we have the power of the Holy Spirit with us. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5. KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. We're asking the question, do you feel like you are unable to actually express your opinion because of political pressures or social pressures? And it can come from one way or the other. It really depends on who's asking the question, what room you're in, who's with you. And how do we do that as believers? How do we get through that as believers? And they're asking it because... One of the things that uh, we're responding to a survey that came out that showed that people's public opinions are very different than their private opinions, and some of the things that this survey showed are are super interesting. I think they show that maybe people don't think what we think they think, which maybe it's encouraging or maybe it isn't, but uh, it it means that maybe we're even wrong to not share our opinions about things. We, that We just read the room incorrectly, all right? Um, education. One of the issues that's interesting is uh, every group, every demographic, whether you are in a Republican or a Democrat or independent, whatever age group you're in, whatever ethnic background you have, or whatever your income level, every demographic says that parents, you know, publicly, 52% say that, they're more supportive of parents having more influence over curriculum in the schools, but privately it's over 60%. It's a huge deal. And that's especially true for 30 to 44. If you're a parent, cause you've got the kids in there right now, you want to know what the curriculum is. And the reason is because you're teaching morals, you're teaching something at home and you want to, you want to be aware of whether or not your kids are hearing the same thing or something that is deliberately contradictory going on at the school, which we have a lot today. It used to be that schools and parents generally were on the same side of moral issues, of discipline issues, of things like that. Not anymore. Uh, Now, sometimes the school is deliberately opposed to parents, and then other times the school is fine, but the parents are opposed to the teachers when the teachers are doing right. Typically, that's, uh, that's often the case with discipline in such a way that we don't discipline the kids anymore the same way because parents get mad and they sue. It's, uh, it is a mess. We have the answer, my friends, as believers. You know, Jesus tells us, and his brother James in the book of James would, would reaffirm it. And he makes a statement that all you need to say is a simple yes or no. And it's really talking about oaths, but it's talking about the context of being patient through suffering and through your conversations in a culture that we should be patient. James tells us, be patient. Don't grumble against one another, brothers or sisters, or you will be judged. Are you a grumbler? You know, people grumble. (laughs) It's a church problem. Ask your pastor. It's like, you know, sometimes you just have to referee it. You know, nobody comes to your church and uh, wants to know who the grumblers are. I want to sit with them. Who are the real negative people? I'd like to sit with them. Nobody's asking that question at the newcomer booth. Yes, I'd like to sit by somebody who just complains about everything throughout the service. It doesn't happen. And if you sit by that person, you're never going back to that church, probably, unless you've got a problem yourself, and then you found a friend, and then you've just doubled the problem in that church, you see. Our our ability to make disciples, I think it really matters. It really, being able to share our faith matters. Jesus is serious about this, about making disciples, It's very relational. And if you're struggling with it, can I just give you a couple of things? Um, You aren't called to go out in the street corner and just start yelling your faith or to put up, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, say a bunch of stuff about Jesus at work during a meeting. Some people get away with that because I think they have an actual spiritual gift of evangelism. And for some reason, when they do it, it works. But most people don't have that you're called to love the people that God put around you. Begin with praying for people, to get intentional. Pray, pray for them, and get to know them. Find out where they're coming from. And your job isn't to get them to vote like you. Your job is to show them Jesus. And your job is to let them know what Jesus has done for you, to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And your hope is in Jesus. Your hope isn't in anything else. It shouldn't be, it's in Jesus. You know, if our whole country goes to pot ultimately and it's irreversible at some point, you know what? That's the course of nations throughout all of human history. And in the book of Revelation at the end, all the nations, they, they don't make it except for one, Israel, not us, all right? And we're not the new Israel. Israel is Israel. It's an interesting thing. Every time that Israel is used in the Bible, it means Israel every single time. Pray for people and then invest in them. Take them to coffee. You pay for it or go to lunch. You pay for it. And you you get to know people just to love them. And you're going to find that there are people that God places in your life that challenge you because maybe they are going through something or dealing with something that maybe you don't feel comfortable with. Maybe you have posted a Facebook rant about. And then you find out that your Facebook friend who you work across from in the next cubicle is on the other side of your rant. And now you have a tension going on. Most of the people who read your stuff, you know, we're gonna talk about this a little bit the next hour, but your social media, most people who read your stuff don't care. I don't think anyone has ever changed anybody's opinion about a political matter on social media. And now they do the the algorithms to make sure that you don't even connect with too many people who disagree with you anymore because it just doesn't go over too well. You pay attention to love those people and you're going to be challenged. God's going to challenge you to love people and be humble. You're going to be humbled to be with somebody who is opposed to you on a moral question or a religious question, somebody in another faith somebody who just views the world differently than you. And that is okay. And what you have to know is this. God trusts you enough with that person to put you in their life. That you are plan A for that person. That that there is a reason that you are there. And you have to be full of love and truth. And you've got to be able to express yourself in love and truth. I've seen people do this. I saw a man who... uh, I worked with uh, an African-American man in gang um, prevention. And when I was working with him, there was the gay marriage decision came down. And this, this man is pretty liberal on most things, I would say, politically. Um, but on this subject, he, was opposed to gay marriage... And he just had such a loving way of having that conversation with people who were not on the same page and who were really upset with him for having that opinion. And he just had a loving way to say, you know what, as a, as a Christian, I believe this is not how God designed marriage. I don't think that's what marriage is. And he just kind of left it there, but he didn't engage in a whole lot of back and forth because he wanted, he, he told me about it. He says, I want to preserve the relationship And issues like this mean so many people just can't be friends, and it shouldn't be that way. And he was great at it, at just diffusing a really hard thing. With a lot of people he was around who didn't agree with him. he was really good at it. I think that we all have that ability to do that if we follow Jesus, with whatever the issue is, with the people that God has placed in our world. And you know what? And some people, they're not going to be your friend, and that's okay. Uh, You love them anyway. And you, you love them anyway, because not being somebody's friend, because you disagree on some kind of issue is kind of silly. And if you're not also silly, then the relationship I think has the ability to be saved. And when somebody is in trouble, you need to be the one who is there to help or be available to help, to be available for love. You can't say, well, I'm not going to help that person because they, he and I disagree with this. I'm not going to be there for that person because it serves them right for what they do. That's not our call. Our call is to come up alongside people and love them. Our call is to come up alongside people, even people who are different, people who disagree, because the most important thing we have is our faith. It's the most important thing to anybody. 1 Peter 4:10 Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's why grumbling is bad. Grumbling just, you know, it just prevents people from having faith ultimately and trying new things or handling things in a loving way. It always turns to gossip and slander and destruction eventually, and it takes up all kinds of time, the time of the grumbler, the time of the listeners, the time of people who have to listen, and then you chase away everybody who disagrees with you, and then you only have the people who agree with you, and then you just go down a dark tunnel of bitterness and grumbling, and then you're sad, we're called to have total joy and to offer hospitality to each other without grumbling, and that means people who disagree. Hospitality, you know what that is? It's, it's love of a person for the sake of their humanity. There's brotherly love, Philadelphia in the Bible, that's love of another person based upon uh, their Christianity. As Christians, we are to love each other who are Christians uh, because, of their, because of the fact they're Christian. And that's why it's called brotherly love. If you look it up, it's called Christian love originally because it was so unique to the church. But we're always called to have hospitality, and hospitality is love of other people for the sake of their humanity. And we can do that even with people that we disagree with. And that breaks a cycle. That opens up the door to discipleship. It makes the church effective. And it is how almost everybody who's ever been saved has gotten saved, because they heard the truth from somebody who practiced hospitality with them one way or another. All right, when we come back, we're going to ask the question, is there a good use of social media? And how can we do that? Social media, I think it's real destructive, but it's here to stay, isn't it? And um, we're going to talk about that as soon as we get back. The number is 888-528-2557. If you'd like to call and add your thoughts, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back in just a few minutes as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned.